lot of basketball coming up this weekend. NC State at Wake Forest tomorrow. This is the beginning of NC State's postseason. Uh, by the way, uh, both Graham and I featured on Pack Therapy, the podcast. You can find that everywhere podcasts can be found. Uh, YouTube, all of the, the podcast uh, platforms. Please like, subscribe, tell your friends. Pack Therapy for a deep, deep, deep dive into uh, NC State basketball, their, their most recent game against Pitt, their next game against Wake, and everything in between and on top of. Uh, the way I described it on the pod and the way I'm going to describe it to you is their postseason starts tomorrow. Win, 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 continue, 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 right? Survive in advance for, for state fans out there. They have to know and they have to understand that any loss could be the nail in the coffin of your NCAA tournament chances. Any loss could could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. So you have eight games left, anything less than 8-0, and oh, you're opening yourself up to, to – not having that opportunity. I wouldn't say you got to play with desperation because I kind of hate that term in sports, but you got to start playing with some urgency. Like, you got to start, as we mentioned today on the Pat Therapy podcast, you got to start treating it as a one game by game basis. Whatever the, the emotion is, if it's desperation, if it's urgency, if it's fear of embarrassment, whatever it is to get you playing as hard as you possibly can, which is ironic because they're playing Wake Forest, right? And the last time we saw them play Wake Forest, that was the closest I've seen to them playing desperate or urgent or intense. Like the, the, the most high version of those words was the game against Wake Forest. If you recall, uh, Kevin Keats was ejected in the first half. There were multiple technicals called in, in the game in the last couple of minutes. They, uh, ben Middlebrooks was playing with a fire we haven't seen. There's, there's, that is the closest. You might even say they took it too far occasionally, which, which you know, hey, woe versus go, right? I'd rather have to rein you in and say woe than, than get you started and say go. The Wake Forest game has to be, the previous Wake Forest game, has to be the baseline. That's, that's the new normal, and you ramp it up from there. The game against Pitt that you lost, O'Connell, Taylor, Morsell combined for seven points. I guess you get one of those. Can't have any more. If you're going to play all those minutes, especially O'Connell and Morsell, you got to score the basketball. You can't leave DJ Burns out there on an island as the only legitimate offensive weapon, along with DJ Horn, who's kind of in his own his own category as he's obviously an offensive weapon. You also have to make your free throws. It's like when we come back – or. Tim, as a football player, you should know this. Blocking and tackling. It's the simple stuff. It's the little details. It's it's free throws. It's rebounding. Uh, rebounding. Uh, you know that NC State's going to protect the basketball. They don't turn it over. It's the best thing they do. But at a certain point, right, it, it's, it's to stay with your football example. If the best thing you do is run the ball, maybe you got to go hurry up and, and sling it around the yard, right? Take a chance because you have nothing to lose. NC State right now is out of the NCAA tournament picture, right? Uh, I, I've said for, for over a week now, if they won the three home games, if they, they had Miami, they had Georgia Tech, and they had Pitt, if they won all three, we could talk about where they stood in the NCAA tournament picture, uh, and it would probably be on the outside looking in, but with a path to get back in. But uh, the first, the baseline, the, the the common denominator was they had to win those three games. They won two. They lost to Pitt. I actually think they outplayed Pitt, but the scoreboard says what the scoreboard says. They lost to Pitt. 
They're on the outside. They are not in the NCAA tournament picture right now. You have nothing to lose. You either win your way out, and you still have games against UNC and Duke. You still have games, uh, a rematch against Pitt. You still have Wake Forest. You still have some some wins that are not going to be anywhere near easy. You are going to have to win. I mean, the only way to be be comfortable is eight, eight and eight. I mean, you have to win eight of the eight remaining games. If you drop one to UNC or Duke and it's close, maybe you could get away seven and one. But I, postseason starts tomorrow. And to me, this is the portion of the season or the stretch of the season where when your back's against the wall, your veteran players have to step up and show some leadership. You know what you're going to get out of DJ Horn. You might even know what you're going to get out of Jane Taylor, who's been playing pretty well as of late. Michael O'Connell has looked good in his recent starts uh, for the Wolfpack. Up until Pitt, I'd say Taylor, O'Connell, and Morsell were, were getting it done. But for guys like DJ Burns, Casey Morsell. DJ who, Burns is ramping up. It's played with this team last year. This is their mm-hmm. last chance to go out in a, a blaze of glory, pretty, pretty much. And, and I mean, we can call a spade a spade here, and, and this is going to ramp up, you know, if and when they – if or when they they drop their next game. You're playing for your coach a little bit here, right? Kevin Keaton's been there a long time. The expectation for NC State is making it to the NCAA tournament. If you need a rallying point around, you know, it's uh, – again, with Graham here, random movie references. You've seen Major League, right? Yeah. Have you seen Major League Two? I don't know. Uh, Have seen you two. seen the direct to VHS Major <laughs> League Three? Major League Three back to the minors. I have. We used to have it on VHS. Uh and and Gus Cantrell, who's the main character in Major League Three, which I'm gonna explain as in depth as I need to, because I'm sure most of you have not seen the movie. Uh he gives one of my favorite pregame speeches in all of uh sports movies. There's there's uh, Herb Brooks, right, in Miracle, yeah. you are the greatest hockey team on the face of the earth. There's there's uh, uh, Al Pacino in Any Given Sunday. That's a, life's a game of inches, gentlemen. And then there's, there's Gus Cantrell in Major League Three, back to the minors, direct to VHS, where he goes, this is where I'm supposed to tell you to go out there and win for the, your, your teammates, but no, I'm asking you to win one for me. Right, because he's out there. He's just got a feud with the other team's manager, and he's going. This ain't about anything but having my back. This is about winning one for me. It's the goofiest, like climactic moment in a movie. Uh, but I, Keats could do that, right? Like, hey guys, listen. Win this one. Win these next eight for me. Win these next eight for me, and it might just work. You have nothing to lose. You have to beat Wake Forest. And, oh, by the way, Wake Forest is playing really, really well. They've been mopping the floor with teams recently. It doesn't get easier. Yeah, they've won, like, what? They've, they're 3-2 and two in their last five games, coming off two wins where they've blown out their opponents by at least 20 points. Yeah, I mean, there's they're, they're playing as well as they've played. Granted, they do tend to fluctuate pretty aggressively, so you might catch them on a bad day. You also know they haven't forgot about what happened in PNC Arena. Which is why you – I mean – as I've said many, many times, in a fight, who wins? The one that wants to be in the fight the most. You better want to be in the fight the most. Uh, let's get to another ACC game. Number three, UNC at Miami tomorrow. If UNC reads their press clippings, which I've accused them of, tomorrow should be a pretty bad day for Miami. It seems like when the world hypes up UNC, they hear it. 
right? And then they play their worst basketball. They climb into the top three. Everyone talks about how awesome they are. Everyone talks about R.J. Davis being a National Player of the Year candidate. Everyone talks about how the ACC is a, a big muck of, of uh, parody, and then UNC above it, boom, they lose to Georgia Tech. They beat Duke emphatically. Everyone goes, ha-ha, that Georgia Tech loss didn't matter. They're still the best team in this. They're a, a national championship contender. Boom, they lose to Clemson. So it, it seems like they're, they they read their own press clippings, right? They hear everybody saying how awesome they are, and then they get humbled. Well, if that's the case, it works in reverse also, right? If you're somebody that searches for your name on Twitter, you are somebody that searches for your name on Twitter, which means you see the good and you see the bad. Everyone's been knocking them for a bad loss versus Clemson. That should mean we're about to get the full top-level, impressive UNC experience against Miami tomorrow. Right, if awesome press clippings lead to an overconfident UNC, then negative press clippings should lead to an extra motivated UNC. Armando Baycott has been playing well, but the rest of that roster need to bounce back after a tough Clemson game, and and I'm looking forward to it. I want to see Harrison Ingram uh, take out some frustrations. I want to see Cormac Ryan get back to doing what he does best, which isn't being the leading scorer on the team or taking the most shots, but but being the hard-nosed, do-everything glue guy. Baycott, I don't really have notes. Maybe maybe uh, defensively he can step it up, but he's going off a couple 20 and 10 double-doubles. You're not going to hear a lot from him. 20-plus, 10-plus double-doubles. Not going to hear a lot from him. But Miami should have a rough day tomorrow. If they don't, we'll have to reevaluate quite a bit, but they should have a rough day tomorrow if, if UNC does what they should. Uh, and then the last game I'm talking about here, Boston College at number nine, Duke, UNC number three, Duke number nine. Uh, that game also tomorrow. Can Duke match their energy from the Notre Dame game? Notre Dame might be the worst team in the ACC, and I don't say that lightly. They might be the worst team in the ACC, but it was still Duke's best game of the season. Now, they've played better basketball against other teams, but I don't think they, they're going to beat the, the teams they need to beat to win an ACC championship, to uh, be a top seed or one of the top seeds in, in the NCAA tournament, or to have success in the NCAA tournament if they don't show up with an attitude that is, is closer to what I saw against Notre Dame than in any other game this year. They started that game 20-5. and five. They were ahead 20 points to 5 against Notre Dame. That's what you do against bad teams when you have a little bit of attitude. You don't show up and slowly work your way into it. You don't show up and be tied at halftime and then win by 20. You show up and you get up 20 to 5, and, and Caleb Foster is, is one of the better players in the country off the bench, and, and he's really playing that role well. And, and, and Sean Stewart was pretty good off the bench, and, and you find a way to get it done. That the attitude against Notre Dame was the the most optimistic thing I've seen from from Duke in a long time. Now, can they do that against a team that isn't maybe the worst in the ACC? Can they bring that attitude to a game like Boston College? Right, that's the next step up. Boston College is by no means a world beater, but it's the next step up. And you know what? The uh, can they bring that attitude when you're not coming off a loss to UNC at their place? It's easy to be angry. It's easy to be attitude-filled. It's easy to be be salty after you just lost to a rival and they stormed Franklin Street and you had to kind of watch it all. 
It's a completely other beast to go mollywop Boston College after you mollywop Notre Dame. The game is a 2 p.m. Saturday tip-off. I don't know if that's going to get your juices flowing as much as, hey, UNC just beat us. Let's go make ourselves forget about it. From a basketball standpoint, Quentin Post at seven feet is a good test for Duke's post defense. Kyle Filipowski, take it personal. There aren't many, like, legit seven-foot versatile bigs in, in the ACC or in college basketball in general. Quentin Post at Boston College is one of them. Kyle Filipowski, take it upon yourself. Right? Armando Baycott got the better of your matchup in that UNC game. Go make sure nobody else does that to you the rest of the year. You're that good, by the way. Kyle Filipowski, you're that talented. You should be able to say nobody's going to get that much better, uh, the, the better of me ever again this year, even if we play Baycott again. Especially if we play Baycott again is what you should be thinking. So Quentin Post is a, is a good test there. But it's, it's an energy thing. I think we'll know, I don't know at the first media timeout if Duke is bringing that same – Hey, us against the world, forget you, Notre Dame. They're bringing that same us against the world, forget you, Boston College energy. We'll know by the first media timeout. Big picture with all the triangle teams playing this or playing tomorrow, we're going to find out how much heart each of these individual teams really have. And it's the dog days, right? You got like seven, eight, nine games left in the season. You've been playing for a long time, months in. It still doesn't quite feel like it's time for the ACC tournament or you're knocking on the door yet. This is the dog days. Right, if if you're if you're UNC, you're, I mean, you're still a lock for every tournament. You're still a lock for so much. It's can you get up for this? If you're Duke, same, right? You're a top ten team in the country. Can you get up to smash Boston College, State? It's a different beast because you have to win. You have to. But I'm 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 looking like again I, first media timeout for a lot of these games. We'll know what they're putting out. The NC State men's basketball team almost, so close, pulled off the three-game get-back win streak uh, that I requested from them. Uh, but before we get there, I'm, I'm going to start. I know it's a uh, it's an election year, so we're going to talk a whole bunch of politics. No, I'm kidding. Uh-oh. Uh, but what I will do is make a little stump speech, a little campaign speech. What in the heck is going on that Torrey Holt is not a, a pro football Hall of Famer? Now, I'm just, I'm just going to get it get it all out there, and then and then we can move on. Uh, he has the most receiving yards in a decade in NFL history, and and he's uh, the part of, or a part big part of one of the best offenses in NFL history, one of the most influential offenses in NFL history. The longevity is there, the stats are there, the comparisons are there. When you compare his stats to the other stats of Hall of Famers, uh, he uh, appears favorably. Uh, he did everything the right way. He mentors like this is not a knock on Andre Johnson. Okay, I actually believe this class should have had both Andre Johnson and Tory Holt. Could be a knock on someone like Dwight Franey. Could be a knock on uh, some of the other members of the the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But the Pro Football Hall of Fame messed themselves over by not including wide receivers for a long time. 
uh, and and standing on the, oh, this era is so much more pass-happy, these wide receiver numbers are not as impressive. So now there's a log jam. There's Steve Smith Sr. for the Panther fans out there. There's Andre Johnson who got in this year. There's Reggie Wayne who will get in eventually. There's Torrey Holt who I believe should have been number one on the list. There's more names coming. Larry Fitzgerald's going to be there in, in the not-too-distant future. Um, you have to put two wide receivers in almost per year for the next three or four just to get back to even, or else you're going to have deserving, uh, over-deserving, over-qualified Hall of Famers like Torrey Holt on the outside looking in. He's now, what, on his fifth or sixth year ballot, and and that's not what he should be, right? Julius Peppers is a first ballot Hall of Famer. That is what he should be. Uh, and, and even though this is an NC State podcast, and I know that the UNC fans are like, yeah, just just call it what it is. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he should be. Torrey Holt is a first two or three ballot Hall of Famer. He he's he has absolutely no business being five and six ballots in and not on, in the Hall of Fame as of yet. Uh, and that's not because this is an NC State podcast. I do know I'm playing to the you know preaching to the choir here, right? This is this is everybody in agreement. But Torrey Holt needs to be in the Hall of Fame. If he's not in next year, I say we 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 revolt. We riot. We boycott. We 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 join forces, and and I don't know how you boycott the Hall of Fame, but we we find a way how to, and we we make them feel it. This is why I love working with Tim Dowling, ladies and gentlemen. We've been working together for seven months now. Yep. I think it's the quarterback in him. He just came in here and threw an audible right off the. I thought we were going to get right into NC State basketball, NCAA tournament hopes, da 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 da. But no, I mean I like it. This is why we have pack therapy to help you fans process again. I, yeah, I think I needed it. Tori Holt getting left out of the NFL Hall of Fame. I, just, I, I really thought I needed it. The only thing, and I saw this on online, and I don't believe it's the right thing to do, but it could be cool now for state fans, uh, is if somehow Phillip Rivers and Torrey Holt end up going in together, uh, and and then it becomes just a, a state weekend, right? Then it just becomes a, a party. You wear your, your – uh, state gear, and you go to the the Hall of Fame game and, and have all those sorts of sorts of fun things. Um, I don't think that's what they're trying to do. By the way, I don't think it's like, oh, well, you know, the the they're thinking of how cool it would be. No, I think it's it's could be a silver lining on a gross mis mis uh, misjustice, uh, right? A gross miscalculation of Tory Holt's Hall of Fame credentials could end up with maybe the greatest NC State Hall of Fame weekend of all time. Is it fair to say that'd be the NC State way? When you say an NC State weekend, we're not talking about an ACC championship. We're not talking <laughs> about an ACC tournament win. We're not talking about you know any any sort of yeah. championship. Instead, it's two veteran, two really good historic football players that came to your program getting into the Hall of Fame and, together and, on the same weekend. That that's the NC State way. That's the NC State and, way. And one of them being disrespected in the process, right? It's it's uh, Tory Holt going in that late would still you know it would be an awesome weekend where NC State players are unbelievably celebrated right rivers and, and and holt but still there would be the chip on the shoulder of like this should have happened five years ago which it should have so uh i just wanted to start with that i mean it's called pack therapy right I, that was more for me i needed to get some things off my chest uh now let's talk basketball 67 64 lost to Pitt. it was that close to completing the trifecta that i requested of them here on this podcast three games ago they were coming off three straight losses ugly losses we don't have to dive into it but they had Miami at home. They had uh, – who was it? It was uh, a Georgia Tech at home, and then they had Pitt at home. And it was over essentially a week. And I said, if you win all three of those, not two of the three, not 
if you dominate one and 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 you look good in the others, but you, no, if you won those three, we could talk about getting back into the NCAA tournament run, finishing on a, on a hot streak that could could change some opinions. They they worked their way all the way back up into the top four in the ACC tournament through the first two wins, or uh, in the ACC standings in the first two wins, and then they lost by three to Pitt. They were two offensive rebounds away and nine missed free throws away from accomplishing the goal that we asked of them. The the free throws are the ones that stand out to me. If they just shot their season average, from, I'm not asking them to you know catch fire, go out there and make 95%. If they just shot their season average from the free throw line, they win that game. So like, it, it's definitely one that fell through the cracks, right? It's definitely one that they had in their grasp and it slipped through uh, slipped through their fingers. And now you've put you've put yourself in the ultimate backs against the wall situation. This Wake Forest game coming up tomorrow, it's a must win. But guess what? Clemson the next game, it's a must win. Syracuse the next game at home, it's a must win. Now it's it's it's. I don't know, maybe freeing in that you just go out there and and absolutely gun it. There's no reason, you know, to use a football term, there's no reason not to call the fake punt. There's no reason not to call the flea flicker. There's no reason not to to take a chance because nothing like it like you know, for those of you that love uh every time I talk to Graham I use I use uh movie references. It's the replacements, right? There is no tomorrow for you people. It, it, and that makes you very dangerous people. Like if you don't win this game, the NCAA tournament becomes almost an impossibility. It might be an unlikelihood right now, but go for it, right? There is no reason not to go for it. I'm glad you and I are coming into this conversation with the same mindset of this Wake Forest game absolutely has to be a must win. I felt it was a must win when they played in Raleigh in the start of January just because of the way the season was going coming off that they North they Carolina fist loss. They fought to get the win. Yeah. It felt urgent. Now you're going to Winston-Salem, a place that NC State's kind of had trouble over the years. It's just you know the, the law of the wolf, I guess you'd say. But also you're playing a Wake Forest team that since losing to NC State is 3-2. And, and I'd say and they're, they're starting to blow people out. That's what I was getting at. I'd say they're coming, they're getting ready to, uh, or they're playing their best stretch of basketball right now in these last two games against Syracuse and Georgia Tech where they just absolutely mollywopped their yep. opponents. And And – the the I mean if we're gonna dive into the Wake Forest game because actually I have a couple observations from the 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 pick loss for for NC State but um looking at the Wake Forest game Wake Forest is is the most uh like hit or miss team in the league you could they, they could show up and and lose to a team they have no business losing to by twelve or they could show up and and beat a team who's pretty solid and playing really good basketball like the Georgia Tech uh game uh, by thirty. So if I'm NC State, you got to be prepared for everything. You got to be prepared to go out there and play the Harlem Globetrotters. You got to be prepared to go out there and play the Generals because you never know what you're going to get from Wake Forest. And regardless of what you do get from Wake Forest, you have to win that game. In that first meeting, NC State was able to overcome a double-digit deficit to win that game. You can't go down by double digits in this game to, or in this game tomorrow, just because we're at a point now where. I'm starting to see what I gave NC State praise for last week about how they never give up. They keep fighting to the very last whistle. It's at a point now where, like you said, when your players might not say this out loud, but when you're starting to see your window close a little bit of mm -hmm. making the NCAA tournament, the sense of defeat can just overwhelm you. And if you go down by double digits, sometimes it might be hard to get that motivation back out of a timeout. But 
another reason why I say NC State can't go down by double digits is because that was their downfall in that pit game. That's sort of what's been the downfall in their previous losses to Syracuse and to Virginia. They're just playing from behind too much. With, with the way they've been shooting, which for most of the season has not been fantastic from the three-point line, uh, and and roughly, I think it was 30, almost exactly a third, 33% um, against Pitt, it, you're not built to come from behind, right? If you have a couple, and DJ Horn might be this way, if you have a couple flamethrowers from three, then you, you can make up ground quickly. But when it's just DJ Horn shooting it well from three and everybody else is kind of struggling, it's it's going to be very difficult to to complete those comebacks. 